Welcome to the Your Life Rocks podcast, where we believe life balance is possible. Yes, even for you. This show is designed to help working moms focus on the things that matter most in life and helping you balance all that life has for you with practical tips from one working mom to another. My name's Jenny Stemmerman, and I am so glad that you're here to hang out with me today. You know, today's episode is a fun one, and we're talking all about traditions, but not just for the sake of traditions and not because it is Christmas time, which, hello, there's a lot of traditions going on this time of year, but because traditions are one of those things that can drive the roots of your family so much deeper. It's what bonds you all together. And today I am joined with an incredible guest, someone who you're probably familiar with, if you've listened to this show before, Kimberly Walton. You know, Kimberly is our go-to marriage expert, and she's also a college professor, you guys, so she knows her stuff. She has studied customs and traditions for years, and in her practice of helping women in their marriage and with their families, she has seen the benefits of strong traditions and how they can bind people together, how they can create that sense of community. And she's here to share with us some tips on how we can be more intentional about those traditions that we have in our own families and not just in our families, but also our personal traditions that we have for ourselves as well. Now, Kimberly has such great tips for us and some really great solid information. So we're not going to have any commercial breaks to break up the conversation. So before we get into our discussion, I do want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by our Life Balance Planner. I know it's the first time the planner has actually been a sponsor of the show, but it's such a great time because we are getting close to the end of the year and our Life Balance Planner is not just a calendar for the new year or any time of year. It's truly a 90-day system that really helps you bring the Life Balance system into habit, into practice for you. Of course, there is a calendar in there. There's actually three months worth of calendar in there for monthly planning. We also have your weekly planning covered, including your Sunday checklist, your prep checklist. We have your meal planning, project planning for your career, and your daily sheets. Now, I'll tell you, these daily sheets are so integral into my day that I just cannot do a day without them. It includes everything from making sure I'm tracking my water to what my Bible verses of the week. Yes, I write it down every single day so that I can really meditate on the word and it becomes a part of every single part of my day. It has blank spots for your brain dumps, your to-do list, and your schedule for the day. It really is a great system to help you stay focused on the things that matter most. And because I am so passionate about this planner, I'm the one who created it and I want it to help and bless you in such mighty ways as you start into 2018 that I am offering it to you for $10 off between now and the end of the year. So it's only $19.99. And you can grab yours by going to yourliferocks.com. And as an added bonus, when you place your order while you're waiting for your planner to come in the mail, you'll receive access to our goal setting course. So you can be setting your goals for the first 90 days of 2018 while you're waiting for your planner to come into the mail. Also, I'll let you know that the first few pages are your instructions to the life balance system. So even if you haven't taken the life balance course, you'll know how to operate the system based off of those instructions. Now, of course, our life balance members do have access to the life balance course inside the membership. Plus, our members receive 20% off 
of the planner, our coaching, and so many other things. So don't wait. 2018 will be here before you know it. So go to yourliferocks.com and get your planner today. All right, you guys, I am so excited for this interview with Kimberly. And I got to say, I really took a lot of the things that she said to heart and am really thinking about the ways that I can be more intentional about the traditions that my family has and the traditions that I have personally because it just enriches life so much more. So let's get right into my conversation about traditions with Kimberly. (laughs) Kimberly, I'm so excited to have you back on. How was your Thanksgiving? You know, it was really good. My birthday this year actually was on Thanksgiving. So that's always a weird thing when that happens. Oh, happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But we have kind of a non-traditional Thanksgiving thing that we do. So it's fine because our big Thanksgiving actually was just Saturday. So we do kind of this weird thing, which I'll talk about in a minute when we get into it, um, some of the different themes. But, you know, I, I don't know if your, stu- your students, your listeners realize this, but I am a lifelong student of customs and traditions and rites of passage. I have been studying these for years. I am somewhat fascinated by them. Um, most certainly I'm, I'm captivated by them. But I've, I've studied these things informally on my own and also formally. You know, I've taught um, these different classes and I, I teach at the university. I don't know if people realize that. And so much of it is about culture and tradition and um, the geography of all these things. So it's a treat for me to be able to be here to share this information and uh, maybe give people some ideas and just think about some of these traditions and cultures, um, customs that we do. I love this. And, you know, one of the things that really inspired me to ask you to come on the show and talk about this, I know way back when, when we first met, um, I think it was one of the very first podcasts uh, I had you on, you had mentioned something about how much you just really loved traditions and and how it really can go deep into relationships. And so, you know, you were the perfect person for me to think about when I wanted someone to come on and talk about how we can really embrace traditions within our relationships, within our families, because it is something that I've found as my boys are starting to grow up a little bit older. And I know we have some audience members with kids right around the same age as mine, some that are a bit younger but they're really holding on to the family traditions, then some of them happen kind of by accident. Whenever we have skipped them, they've really made it known that that is something that they they really love. And Mm -hmm. for me, really wanting to dive deeper into being the best mom that I can, I feel like this is one of those things that if we're really intentional about those moments that we're creating with our families, it can make a big impact. Absolutely. And one of the things I want to do as we get to the end of our chat today is I want to talk about what happens when we lose those traditions, the grieving that we have to go through, because I have a good story of where I had to grieve a tradition. And I was like, oh my gosh, something I didn't see coming. And even the the idea of when children grow up and you're no longer doing some of the traditions. So I'm actually going to talk about that as kind of a wrap up at the end. Just what do we do? Because we have to understand that that's going to happen also. And if we know this is coming, we can actually set it up to be almost a new tradition. That's amazing. Cause I have never, when you said that, it kind of made me sad a little bit. I, it <laughs> does. Not, I mean, I've never thought about it though. But when you really, like when you said that, I was like, yeah, like some of those traditions aren't going to be like a forever thing. So we really have to make them count. Yeah. Kids, uh, you know, sleeping underneath the Christmas tree in their new pajamas is not going to happen when they're 35 and have kids of their own. I mean, <laughs> Let's hope right? not. <laughs> <It> was, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, we maybe I've done something wrong if that's the case. So, you know, I love this time of year. We have the changing of the seasons, and we have the leaves falling. At least where I'm at, um, you know, we have all these family gatherings, and there's so many celebrations that are going on that it's it. This is the time of year where we really want to talk about these traditions. And I know Thanksgiving has already passed, but I'll actually talk about some of those so maybe people can implement some of them. But I want to say something for a second. When when we talk about traditions and customs, we have to really think about what that means because it's it's really any sort of practice that's like long established that we're adopting or maybe it's some sort of information or a belief or a practice that's been passed down like from family. And usually these traditions we have, they're not any sort of written instructions. There's no path that says, hey, this is how you do this tradition. And that the beautiful thing with that is that it leaves for some flexibility as families change or grow, that they can adapt and be molded. And, and I like that, but it also keeps us connected with our elders, if you will, because we have to say, hey, how did we do this? What did we do? So it helps to keep us connected. And that's one of the really good things about adopting traditions and customs is it gets us that sense of community. Mm, yeah. And you hit the nail right on the head when you said that connection and, and thinking of my own kids and even myself, that's why I love the, the traditions is it keeps us connected to like when I think about some of the traditions I've passed on to my kids, they're traditions that I had growing up with my grandparents. And when we're reenacting that within our family unit, it just keeps me connected to my grandparents in a different way now that they've passed. Mm hmm. Right. You had all of these growing up and they were shared and then they're still important to you. And that's the beauty of them. And when we lose those traditions, we lose that sense of connection. We lose that sense of even identity. And I like to tell people that when it comes to our traditions, we need to understand it's more than just a habit, that there is a sense of balance and belonging that goes on. There is a sense of security an identity that and that shows us that we're part of something greater and it allows us to feel loved also to show love um, you know these are things these are ways of passing along our values and our beliefs and our ideas and so it's really so much more than what um, you know than just some sort of habit that we do out of some sort of obligation Mm, yeah. And I, and I love that you use the word obligation because I think that there's so much, especially around this time of year that sometimes we, you know, we have kind of like those, those traditions that we think about positively, but then we have other traditions that are more of an obligation that are a little bit heavier. And I know, you know, with my family and my husband's family, there are a lot of those around this time of year, but I just want to encourage our listeners as you're listening to this to, to what we're talking about on this episode, that it's not just a Christmas thing. Like we're really talking about traditions that kind of last all year round, right? Mm -hmm. And some of them, I mean, obviously certain traditions, especially right now, they're more common, but we do have others and we do have the general sense of what a tradition is about and how to implement them. And that's going to be one of the things that the people that are in the member site will get a chance to do is if you're, if you're feeling you need more of a tradition, I'm going to um, provide a handout for them just to say, where could we do this? Where do we feel a need for this? How do we evaluate if it's right for our family or not? Because people oftentimes will come to me and say, I'm, I feel like I have a shortage of traditions throughout the year. What do I do? And I'll sit down, I'll actually help them. Well, the natural ones are ideally the ones that are best, but there's ways to start implementing them by, oh, this family does this and my kids always appreciated it. So um, for the people that are in your member section, they'll get a, a free little handout on maybe how to kind of brainstorm some of that for themselves. 
I love that you're providing that for them because the membership really is all about creating an intentional life for yourself. And I feel like this is just one of those ways of going deeper, like setting your roots, like really deep down, not just for yourself, but also for your family. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for doing that. You're amazing. Thank you. Thank you. I'm pleased <laughs> to do it. So, you know, and with traditions, when we talk about them, sometimes people are like, well, I don't really have traditions. And I think I always ask them, have you been to a wedding recently, a funeral, a baptism? If so, you, you've been around traditions because those are so steeped in tradition. And sometimes people in the Christian arena, they'll be like, well, I don't know about this tradition stuff. And I'm like, no traditions. Again, weddings, funerals, baptisms, communions, any of those things have tradition already. We take these, these big ideas and we have to have some sort of tradition that goes along with it, partly out of order. Because otherwise, I mean, we, we need something that says, yeah, wedding is this way and people walk down the aisle. It gives us a sense of safety and security and um, allows us to be in the moment more because rather than going, what's coming next, what's coming next. So I like mm. to make that point as well. You know, yeah. and, and customs and traditions, they're, I tell people, it's just like a tool. It's like any tool. It can be used well, it can be used poorly, and it can be not used at all. And so it really is just another tool to bring our family closer and stronger. But again, it can be used well, poorly, or not used at all. Mm, I think that that's really good to differentiate between all of those things because like I said before there, I mean, there are some traditions that a few years ago I had to just let go of because mm -hmm. I thought, why am I doing this? It's torturing me and mm -hmm. there's no actual positive benefit to them. Right. And if your kids aren't benefiting and you're not benefiting, then really at that point in time, it becomes more harmful. But mm -hmm. you know, when we look at um, traditions and customs, one of the things that I tell people is you really have three different types of customs and traditions. You've got the big ones that are cultural, religious, or kind of group traditions. You've got your family or what would be couples kind of traditions. And then you have personal traditions. And, um, and I think that they all three have value. And I could easily argue that neither is more important than the other. But so often we just po um, focus on the big overarching ones, but we forget about some of the more intimate family ones or the personal traditions. They, again, they all have value. Um, and it might be something, for example, where Thanksgiving is the fourth Thursday in November, and that's, that's a cultural kind of tradition. But if we took that tradition and we tied into the idea that everybody goes around the table and they say what they're thankful for for Christmas, that's more of a family because different people do that. Some people don't, and they do a different version of it. And then the personal on top um, kind of idea like that would be that, um, you know, the people who take Thanksgiving and they use it for a specific thing. Like for me, because my birthday is right around Thanksgiving every year and sometimes like this year it is, I always make a vision board on Thanksgiving Day. That's, or not Thanksgiving, but, but right around my birthday. So that's your, you, you know, the personal and also the family and then the big cultural ones. So all three of them have value, but so often we only look at the big cultural, religious or group ones. Hmm. Yeah. Or kind of just the family ones. Cause I know, I know a lot of people that like their family traditions, like they, those like rank higher than any other cultural traditions that they have or any other kind of group traditions that they have. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about that. Like the cultural and the religious and the group traditions. Do you feel like those are ones that are really like everyone has, I mean, obviously like certain things like, uh, well, even not, I was just going to say like the date of Thanksgiving is the date of Thanksgiving, but you guys chose to celebrate it not on Thanksgiving. So <laughs> I guess it's not really set in stone, is it? It's not, but you know, here's the thing when it comes to 
traditions and customs, the ones that are the strongest and the ones that mean the most are the ones that either happen by accident or they're customized and unique to your family. So the idea of Thanksgiving for us, we have what we call our traditional Thanksgiving on a non-traditional day. Okay. And that's what it is. And it got started because we were hosting our first exchange student about a decade ago. Now for Thanksgiving, we took the kids, exchange student as well, all to Thanksgiving, basically day at Disneyland. So that means we didn't have a traditional Thanksgiving, but we wanted our exchange student to experience a traditional American Thanksgiving. So we said, okay, let's do a bigger one. And this was, we had only done like, you know, 10 people in the house before. We did a really big one in the house and had like 30 people. And we did it the Saturday after the Saturday after Thanksgiving. So like 10 days later. Well, I didn't realize that the people who had been invited to this the first year were like, hey, are we doing this next year? I'm like, um, uh, uh, geez, I don't know. So they had actually asked, people had said, are we doing this again? Is this now a thing? So I had to talk to the husband and say, hey, are we doing this again? What do we want to do? He's like, well, I guess if they're asking, let's do it. And here we are almost a decade later where we're doing the traditional Thanksgiving on a non-traditional day. And this year we just, like I said, it's like the first Saturday in December for us, but we just had 30 people in the house again. And everybody has to bring something and certain people bring, I have a certain people who bring the same thing. And so there is this whole Thanksgiving thing that is so different for our family than it is for anybody else. That's, that's amazing. I mean, it, cause it's like, it's not even just like a tradition for your family, but it's become like an extended tradition for just those like extended mm -hmm. friends and family that you have as well. Mm -hmm. And it's probably, it depends on the year. Cause we've had one year where there was a real big snowstorm and we had people who were further up in the elevations that couldn't come. Um, but to traditionally it's about 50, 50 family and friends. And it's, there's a, a whole group of people. If we've got 30 people, 20 of them are the same ones that come all the time. Sometimes somebody else has something they can't come and somebody else will come and that kind of thing. Um, but even a few years ago when my husband was officiating a wedding on that particular day that normally is that Saturday, we just moved it to the next Sunday and people were like, okay, we're still coming. I'd ask people, can we do this? Um, we either that or we have to have it like at 10 o'clock at night cause we're driving, you know, we've got to drive two hours back. They're like, nope, we're doing it on Sunday. And we only had one person who couldn't come. So those things are, I think more special because people will, they already know people already know to put this on their calendar for next year. And it probably makes them feel like we were talking before about like that connection and that community. Mm -hmm. Like if you're invited to that non-traditional, traditional Thanksgiving at your house, <laughs> like you really are like the inner circle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they are. And they are some of the, the most important people in my life. And, and they know. And this year, one of the um, people that came, um, he came, but his wife and his daughter didn't because they had something else to do. And so they chose to divide and conquer. He came and represented the family. She made the fruit salad that she always makes. And he came and said, I'm here. They went to something, they went to a craft fair, but I'm here. And I thought, well, that's kind of cool because he's like, well, we can't not co, you know? Right. So, you know, so again, it's that thing where you go, wow, I get, this is something I know to count on. Mm, I think that that's a key thing there too, the count on. So this would really fall under that group tradition, correct? Yeah, this is, well, it's- Or family. Yeah, group is Thanksgiving. And then family is the fact that we do this wonky thing that's not on the day that everybody else is doing it, which I have to tell you, the turkey is always a lot cheaper. 
<laughs> I can problem imagine. Is, <laughs> the problem is finding one that's like 20 some pounds. <laughs> For 30 always, people. Yeah. That's not always easy. We always have to get ham too, because there's just not enough turkey. Yeah. But, um, you know, those kind of things are significant, but you know, there's lots of other ones that people do. Like I have, um, people tell me that they have things like the kids on Thanksgiving serve the dessert. And that's their family tradition. Or some people play board games afterwards. And we do that. We, um, we have board games that we do. We usually pay apples to apples. Some people go do a turkey trot in the morning. Some people um, do this. I have a, a client that told me they have a white tablecloth. And every year, people with these fabric markers sign it. And then they have a clear cloth they put over their table. And so it doesn't get soiled. And somebody else told me they have a tradition similar to that. But what they do is afterwards, they embroider over the names so that they don't have to worry about it and they can wash the tablecloth. So those things um, are interesting, pass me down things, but I, I can't help but think what happens to that tablecloth? How does that get passed down to the next generation? Who's, whose is that going to be? You know, it's like, that's going to be in the will. The tablecloth goes to, <laughs> you know, I love it. That's so awesome. So. so I love these things because they are very unique and they're really like some of them probably happen by accident, but even, you know, that Thanksgiving tradition that happened by accident, then you guys chose to carry it forward. Right. So it's uh -huh. always that decision of really what it is that you're going to carry forward. Now, on a similar note of things that we are choosing to carry forward, I want to tackle something that might be a little bit of a harder subject, if you're good with that. Okay. Let's talk about some of the religious traditions that we have, mm -hmm. especially in the Christian religion. I mean, I know right now we're, we're right hot into holiday season, Christmas season, Advent. So to, let's talk a little bit about some of those traditions, because I feel like some of those things can become... Um, you know, we were talking about the ones that we choose, but then some of these are ones that we really feel obligated to do, right? Well, and at that point in time, they become a task or a chore. And I personally can't imagine that God wanted these things to be a task or a chore. So when they, be, when they start becoming an obligation, you have to ask yourself, is it an obligation that I choose or is it an obligation that um, I feel obligated to do? And sometimes I, I try to give people permission to downgrade it a little bit. So if you're going to have a manger in your house, maybe you don't need to have 42 of them. Maybe you have one. So sometimes the reason that it, it can feel heavy for people is because they're overdoing it. You're, if you're doing the advent um, calendar, you're doing the candles, you know, it's okay to go small. You don't have to go large. You don't have to make it huge. And that's one of the problems is people make it, make it huger than it is. And they forget to, um, to remember what the season's all about. I have a couple of things that I love about this time of year that people do that are kind of related to this, where I know several families that make for Christmas dinner, their dessert is a birthday cake for baby Jesus. And they put Jesus's name on it as if, you know, how we, we do that for birthday cakes. We decorate them and things like that. And that's a way to help kids remember what this is all about. And especially if you can get the kids into making the cake and decorating it and not, not like a, you know, with like a cross on it necessarily, but like glitter or not glitter, you don't put glitter on your cakes, but you know, little <laughs> <laughs> you can, you can, but I found in a specialty place, glitter, yeah. edible glitter. Yes. And I'm sure it's gold flakes and everything, but um, <laughs> you know, there's, there's these things that we can do. We can take some of these ideas that are, that are more religious and we can maybe add our own flair. Like I know this time of year, most people put in 
they have some sort of manger situation and maybe it's larger, maybe it's smaller. My mother-in-law has a lot of mangers that she puts out at this time of year and I love them. But if my kids were younger, one of the things I would do different is I would actually take the manger and I'd put it off to the side and I would take Mary and Joseph and I would take the, the wise men and the travelers and I would actually start them like on the other side of the room and each day we would move them closer. Oh, I love that. They're actually making the journey. And then I have a friend who does something where on Christmas Eve, they hide baby Jesus in the house somewhere and the kids have to find him and they have to put him in the manger because really baby Jesus shouldn't be showing up in the manger until Christmas day. And so they do this whole thing on Christmas Eve. And one of the things that they told me is that that's a challenge is they have one baby Jesus and they have two kids. So it's the older one tends to find them. And so they're actually considering having two mangers with two baby Jesuses so that they each have a baby Jesus to find, <laughs> right? I mean, cause that's how that stuff works, but yeah, that keeps you in tune. Cause even though we've got some of these obligations, sometimes the obligation ends up being a distraction rather than understanding why we're really here and what we're celebrating. And I don't think that's really what God intended. I think he intended for us to be reminded of what we're celebrating and what, what Jesus really did for us and him, his being um, born and even his crucifixion, what that was all about. And um, so I tend to talk about that more and how you can honor those things. Um, even the idea of the advent calendar, we hosted uh, another exchange student a few years ago and because we're gluttons for punishment. And <laughs> our Norwegian exchange student, his parents gave us a new idea. They sent him these small wrapped, wrapped gifts that were all tied to this long cord that was numbered instead of like doing just the calendar or doing the little chocolates and that kind of thing. And each day he opened a gift. So you can look for ways to still honor the tradition, but also customize it. And that's, that's what I really like. It's when we can take these things that are almost obligations and turn them into something that's unique to our family. So it's not like, oh, what's Advent? We're doing the, ca we're doing the candles and that kind of thing. But the kids are like excited about being a part of it. And even sometimes the kids can help put the little gifts for the Advent in for the, the siblings kind of thing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I know. And I love that. And I love too, that you talked about really the intention of it, because I feel like so much of the traditions around this time of the year, um, you know, I wasn't raised Christian. So sometimes I, I hear about people and the different traditions that they have for Christmas that I've never experienced before. And I'm like, Oh, is that something I should be doing? Cause I feel like when there's sometimes cultural, but especially with religious tradition, sometimes we feel like, Oh, am I, am I missing something? Should I be doing those things? to try to fit in or to try to make sure you're doing quote unquote it right. Mm -hmm. um, but I love that you really talk about the intention of it and the heart of it and really examining what it is that you, what you want to experience and be intentional about creating that with what you're doing in your activity. Right. And if you end up making Christmas a chore or some of these things so stressful, it, I think that has a counter effect for your children. They're like, wow, I don't really like this season because mom's freaking stressed all the time or she's <laughs> cranky or we, we can't have any of our toys out because of this or that. Or I, I think we miss some of the point. Not that our kids don't need to learn to respect that we, we have these, these um, decorations and things that we want to do, but we miss the point if we're not talking about baby Jesus. And so I talk a lot about that. It's like, nope, this is all about baby Jesus. And, um, and I think, again, some of those, those 
customs and traditions that are obligations, we can tone them down a little bit. And that's where the stress usually comes in is when you feel like, oh my gosh, am I missing the boat? Am I not doing something right for my kids? I don't think that's what God wants for us. I, I just don't think that. I think he wants us to remember the reason that we're celebrating and what's, what the gift was um, for us. Amen. Amen. So there's permission, ladies. If you are feeling <laughs> obligation and stress, you know, just pray about it, but feel free to like let go of some of those things if it doesn't necessarily fit in with what it is that you're intending it to do. Mm-hmm. And we have family that are not very religious that we still do activities with. On Christmas Eve, we have this ornament exchange we do at my sister's. And actually, it's not at my sister's anymore. It's been passed down to her daughter. And Last year, it was kind of a weird one because my son had to work on Christmas Eve and it was like, wait, he can't be here for this, this potluck ornament exchange. And so we took turns texting him, sending him pictures, FaceTiming him. And then when it came time for him to pick his ornament and we do a stealing and things like that, my nephew went around with my phone, him on FaceTime, my son on FaceTime and said, okay, here's the ornaments you can pick from. Do you want to grab one of these? And we got to get him involved, even though he was not there. And so we got a way, we found a way to make it work. And, and I think that's probably the most memorable Christmas Eve with ornament exchange I've had now because it went awry and we had to come up with plan B. Ooh, that's a great point too, is not expecting everything to just be perfect in our traditions. Because I think sometimes, at least for me in my own experience, sometimes like my best memories are tied to those traditions. But then the next year, the next time that that rolls around, we try to like duplicate that. But sometimes you just can't. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's special in its own way. Absolutely. And that's, I think that's, Um, kind of just being at peace with how things roll out. And seriously, some of my most favorite traditions and memories are when something went awry. Uh, We had one of our Thanksgivings, one of the people was supposed to bring some extra chairs because it's always a chair problem for our Thanksgiving because who has 30 folding chairs unless you rent them? And so everybody has like a few chairs and people, okay, this person brings five, this person brings three. And my friend didn't, she forgot to pack her chairs. I said, okay, your kids are sitting on the stairs. And she sat on the couch and ate and her kids said, we had kids, you know, it was the kids because they don't, they don't care. They're like sitting on the floor to eat. I'm like, whatever, you know, and everybody was fine with it. She was like, oh my gosh, I forgot the chairs. And she lives like a half an hour away. I'm like, you're not driving home. It's not a big deal. We'll, we'll plop people wherever we plop them. Somebody sat on a bar stool. It was all fine. Yeah. You just kind of have to make it work. Mm-hmm. And again, it makes it more memorable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we've got, besides Christmas coming up, we've got all sorts of New Year's resolutions and things. And, you know, that's one of those times where I think we end up having problems with some of our, our conflicts with religious beliefs, because there tends to be a lot of superstition at times too. And I try not to be superstitious. Um, but I, I think that New Year's sometimes can be an, a thing where people are like, oh, well, if this is happening, then what's going to be a good year? And if I have a friend who does this, they put a dime in, in the sauerkraut on New Year's Day that they eat, and whoever gets the dime, it's, it's good luck for the year. And I don't really subscribe to those because I don't know that a dime in sauerkraut, if you get it, is really a true indicator of how you hear <laughs> it. Um, and I like to have like a theme for the year. A few years ago, I did a theme where um, I said, okay, every person I, I see that I can consciously connect with, I'm going to smile at them. And then last year, I made a point of um, seeking out Christian businesses and supporting them if I could. If somebody was, if I needed air conditioning and I thought they were a Christian business, I was going to support them before somebody who wasn't. And so, you know, we can even create our little personal traditions around things where normally people have superstitions. and 
um, some people say, oh, my, my resolutions for the year are to lose weight or, or, you know, not eat sugar. And it's like, okay, by January 31st or February or March, 90% of those are not true. But smiling at people or opening the door or trying to pay it forward every day, those are things that I can wrap my head around. Mm, yeah, that's really good. And I, I love too that, that it's a personal tradition mm-hmm. of yours. And it is. My, nobody in my family does that, but I have my theme for the year and I just, I'm, con- I'm trying to be conscious of it. In the beginning of the year, I have like a little sticky note in my car. What's my theme again? Um, but it, it works for me. So talk to me a little bit about these personal traditions because I have a, a lot of personal traditions that I have for myself. But when we're talking about the other traditions that we were just kind of discussing, it really was about connection and community. So what is it about for those personal traditions that we might have? Well, a personal tradition, like one of the ones I have is around Christmas time, I always give to the Leukemia Society. I give a donation to them. And for me, that's important because my little brother passed away for leukemia. And so if anybody comes to me and they're supporting the Leukemia Society, like that's a sure thing I'm going to give. Um, I also, um, for me, a personal tradition is every two years I cut my hair because my hair grows really fast and really long. I cut my hair and I donate it to a place that makes wigs for kids. And so those are significant for me. I do those out of a sense of um, something in my life that has made this important. I have some sort of issue with it. So for me, the reason I get my hair cut and donated for a place that makes wigs for kids is because, again, my little brother had leukemia. Now, he just wore a ball cap and nobody really cared, but I figured there's little girls out there that would really like a wig, and my hair is very thick, and it's a unique color. It's very blonde, naturally, and it grows so fast that it's something I can do that's really priceless. So that's a personal tradition I do. I mean, I have people that measure my hair, like, monthly. There's a ruler that people, that friends and family use. They're like, let me measure hair. Do you have 12 inches yet that we can cut? It's like this whole big event on when I'm getting my hair cut, and it usually takes about two years. Um... And so that would be a personal tradition as well. But it sounds like even the personal traditions, Mm -hmm. there's still a connection to something in our past or something that just makes us us. Absolutely. And a lot of the personal traditions end up involving other people, like the people who are measuring my hair. They're they're part of my personal tradition. I've kind of sucked them in, I guess. And (laughs) They don't mind. Um, but even the personal traditions, they, they kind of blend in with the family traditions or a couple's tradition. Like my husband and I have a personal tradition where we go see the sunrise in Yosemite the first weekend in August. Well, that's a personal tradition of mine, but it's really a couple's tradition because we do it together. And I love that. And if anyone has not heard um, the episode that Kimberly and I did just a couple weeks ago, a couple months, maybe it was about a month and a half ago, where Kimberly was really talking about protecting your marriage and fortifying your marriage, almost like a castle. Um, And she used that illustration. And, And in that conversation, we really did talk about strengthening your marriage through those traditions and those little things that you do to stay connected. So talk to us a little bit about Um, If someone's listening to this and they're thinking, you know what, my theme for this upcoming year, I want it to be more intentional. I want to be able to be more intentional about all areas of my life. How can they create more traditions with their marriage? Well, I think when it comes to the marriage, one of the things you have to look for is the things that are unique already. Like my husband and I have a couple of little weird um, autocorrect things that have happened. So for example, I was trying to text him, oh, like, oh, that's super sweet. And it came up the word seaweeds which I had never typed the word seaweeds before, so I have no idea why that came up. But now, instead of us saying, ah, 
I just type in seaweeds and he knows what that means. And anybody else reading it would be like, what? And so those kind of things, they give you a little connection and you don't realize it, but it's a little bit of a, when you get that text or you smile and you feel connected, you feel like you're courted to them. So anything like that's already naturally happening, don't correct it. I don't go back if it's types and seaweeds, I don't go back and undo it. And so any of those things that are naturally going weird, any of those things that are naturally um, unique, that's a shared memory between the two of you, let those happen and encourage those. Um, other things you can do when it comes to your marriage is you can look at what traditions your mate maybe has had with their family that you could reproduce. And, and some families are more, do more traditions than others, but let's say that your mate um, has um, done something where with their family, they had some sort of a thing growing up, like with birthdays and birthdays were maybe mom always made a homemade cake. And now that you're not, you know, maybe they're living 2,000 miles away from mom, you can tap into that and help piggyback off that, um, that connection by saying, honey, what cake do you want for your birthday this year? And maybe you make it, maybe you buy it, depending, some people are more bakers than others. So any sort of tradition that you can, you know, bring back to life that um, is really, will be really helpful. Anything that's already going awry can also be helpful. The other thing when it comes to couples is you want to go with what people naturally um, gravitate to. What's their personality? And so if you have like a certain thing, like your mate really loves to read or, or a mate that really loves to dance or something, you want to have traditions like that. Those kind of things, you want to look for what's already happening naturally. I think that that's really great. And I think it's, you know, for anyone who's listening to this and they want to be more intentional about their marriage, this is just one of those great opportunities. Because even as you were talking, I was like, gosh, my husband and I have more traditions than I thought we did. Mm -hmm. And so just hearing you talk about those things that naturally occur, it got me thinking about all the things in my marriage that we just kind of naturally happen or you know, cute names that we use for different things or things that we do when the other person says something. And I think it's important to recognize those things because you might always do them, but as soon as you can recognize them, mm -hmm. I think that that's when it really becomes like a deeper connection. And those are the things you'll really feel a loss of if they're not there. It's the things like if I text my husband and it's four hours later and he gets back with, or I'm like, oh, I kind of, I kind of was waiting for that. I was anticipating getting that response. For example, to go beyond just marriages here with our kids, most people I know do this thing where the first day of school, they take a picture of their kid. Okay. Mm -hmm. Not everybody, but most do. And so the kids are like, oh my gosh. And they, sometimes they have their mouth hanging. They're like, I don't want to do this. But yet the truth of the matter is years later when they're adults, they look back and they go, oh my gosh. And they love it. I've actually encouraged some of my, my um, clients to take pictures with their kid, not of their kid, but with their kid. Because as your kids are changing through the years, it's really cool to see you change through the years and your hairstyles and everything else. Take a picture of them and then take a picture of you guys together. Ooh, I like that idea. I, know, I love right? that idea. Yeah. Because, you know, it's one thing for me to think about myself in that picture, which I may not want. But if I had a picture of like my mom when, you know, my first day of kindergarten and us together, and then my first day of like fifth grade, my first day of middle school, my first day of high school, and like just seeing her and me, like that would take me back and have a deeper connection for me as the child looking back at my mom. Absolutely. And then if you, it's, if it's a tradition passed on, then you can see my mom at, at um, kindergarten. And then this is me at kindergarten. And then it, I mean, it can be the snowball effect and there could be a whole photo album made of this. And the 
pages can be copied. And you know, it's funny with photo albums, you know, whenever there is a, a fire or a natural disaster, you know, one of the first things people grab are photo albums. Mm-hmm. And they do that because that's that, that touched touchstone for their family. And it gives them, it makes them be, you know, connected to something greater. So anytime there's photos involved, I'm at, I'm, fans with that. Mm, Yeah. Like those things really matter because it's like a tangible proof Mm -hmm. of what happened. It's a tangible proof of the, of the tradition that you've created with your family. And, and some of the things at the time seem difficult or stressful. We look back later and we, we laugh at them. You know, I, another thing I did with my kids when they were little is what I called the five minute flurry. You know, kids don't want to clean up unless it's a fun thing or whatever. Most kids don't want to. And whenever you have children, the house ends up sometimes a mess. You've got dishes, you've got laundry, you've got these things. Well, my kids were little and my youngest is 21 now. So it's been a while. I'm waiting for them to have children so I can do this with theirs. But we, to make cleanup time easier and more fun, we would go to the, the kitchen stove and we would set it the timer for five minutes and we would clean up as much as we could in five minutes. And sometimes we'd get everything cleaned up and most of the times we wouldn't. And we were all in for five minutes. We'd hurry around and we'd make fun of it. And I'm like, hurry up, I'm going to pass you up and you know things like that. So it wasn't this horrible chore. And when the timer went off, we stopped. If we didn't get everything cleaned up, that's okay. We'll do it again. Some days we did lots of flurrying and other days we didn't. That's awesome. And I am sure that's something that they'll pass on to their kids, even without Mm -hmm. you needing to pass it on and do it with their kids. They'll probably automatically do that with their kids. Right. And anybody who wants to have their kids help, you're welcome to borrow my five-minute flurry. (laughs) I love it. I love it. So obviously we're talking about traditions that when they come around, they fill us with joy and happiness and really deepening that connection. But talk to us a little bit about when the tradition stops. Maybe the kids are growing older. Like we talked about at the beginning, you don't have the 35 year old sleeping under the tree anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully. Hopefully. Walk us through that process a little bit, because when you mentioned that, like my heart broke a little bit, really wanting to to make the most of the traditions that we have, knowing that they're not going to be around forever. Yeah. So um, I like to talk about precautions when it comes to traditions. One is we have to understand that they want it, they need to be pertinent and they need to be personalized and they need to not go against God. Some traditions actually, I think, go against God and his teachings or make God um, irrelevant. So I'm not advocating any of those in any way. The other thing I like to talk about is we need to be prepared to grieve when a tradition changes or ends. Um, I wrote a a blog post on my website a few months ago regarding me breaking something called our celebration plate. So we had this plate that was really colorful and had these dots on it and, and um, they were different sizes, almost like the dots were dancing on this plate. And what happened was I was getting ready to put the plate up after washing it and it slipped out of my hands and in slow motion, I saw it fall and I knew it was going to break. And then I, once it shattered, it hit and it shattered. I mean, it wasn't like two pieces. Like I can salvage this. This was like, this is not salvageable. It's not, it's so not salvageable. Big chunks are going to go in. I'm going to have to sweep. Then I'm going to have to vacuum up the little shards. So I stood there for like, well, it felt like 10 minutes, but I'm sure it was only like 10 seconds, just looking at all these pieces all over the place going, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what do we do now? This was a plate that whenever there was a big event in the family, there was a birthday, there was a celebration, somebody had put full on effort to something, they got to use a celebration plate. And I, I was not prepared for losing that plate. And after... 
after my, nobody was home. I was by myself, which is probably a good thing. And I sat down with a cup of tea and I just cried. I was like, oh my gosh, what do I do? And I just cried it and I grieved the loss of this plate. Now, all those memories are still there and we haven't found a replacement yet. I'm, I need to find a replacement, um, which I haven't. I'm, I'm working on it. But um, I really, really had to grieve that plate. And so after a while, I texted the hubby and said, hey, I broke the celebration plate today. And I got back from him. Are you okay? Do you need to talk? Mm. And he instantly knew the significance of that. And I said, no, I'm not okay right now, but I will be. And so I just had to cry. And I cried several times. And I, we haven't fortunately had to need the plate really since it broke. So I'm okay with that. But I do, I have to find a replacement, which it's an irreplaceable thing. But we have all these memories. And they were, all, they were our family memory, except for one time, one of my sons asked, because this other kid had had this really big event in his life, mom, can we have Kyle come over? And can we use a celebration plate? And I knew that day what that plate meant. When my son says, mom, can we have this kid over because his parents don't have us? I was like, oh my gosh, mm. I had no idea. And so grieving was a huge thing. And when I find a new plate, I've actually kind of hoped one of my friends or somebody would just get me one, um, that when I, when I get a new plate, I will have to lovingly know that it's a replacement, but at the same time, it's okay to have the new thing. Um, a friend of ours, um, they have two daughters and this is their first year without having the daughters in the home. And they're a very wise couple, but they had talked about the fact that this was going to be their first Thanksgiving without their daughters. One is married, one of them's away at school and they were all prepared for it. And then they just told me the other day when they were at our, our Thanksgiving, they said, we were snapping at each other all day on Thanksgiving day. And we didn't realize it until later that we were sad. They were grieving and they were sad. And they had to both apologize to each other. They had to full on, oh my gosh, I didn't mean this. I didn't mean that. And they had to, they, they had to basically grieve, even though they knew it was coming and they had intellectually done it, but they didn't grieve the fact that they didn't have their kids. So if someone is kind of in that, that season where there is a tradition that's just going to be different going forward. Maybe um, it's a loss of a parent or a grandparent or the kids have grown up, or maybe it was a tradition that they did in a town that they no longer live in. What steps would you recommend them to kind of walk through? I know grief is different for everybody, but do you have any recommendations that our listeners might try if they find themselves in that situation? One of the things that I tell people is when the emptiness is really one of the easiest ones for the kids to deal with, because it's not just the parents. It's also the kids that are experiencing this. The kids that are on the other end of the world are also feeling that same loss for the example of my friends here. And so one of the things that they've done is they've tried to duplicate on a smaller scale some of their traditions. What they've done with their children is they have sent them recipes of some of their dishes that they make at Christmas and so that they can duplicate them where they're at. They can duplicate dad's stuffing mix and dad's um, salad dressing so that they can have that. I know another friend, their child went away to Boston University and they had the tradition of pajamas at Christmas. And so one of the things the parents did to not feel that total loss is they sent the children pajamas and said, this is what you open on Christmas Eve. So there was still that connection, even though they knew it was going on. One of the beautiful things about technology right now is you can actually open presents in front of each other. You can FaceTime, you can do things. So you have to think creatively like we did with my son on the new year or the Christmas Eve ornament exchange. I could have easily been super saddened by that, but we 
turned it into something better. So thinking outside of the box and finding a new way to implement that tradition, I think is really significant. The other thing is, is that as a society, we're not good at grieving. We don't like to grieve. We don't like to cry. We don't want people to know we're grieving a lot of times. And in cases like this, we have to acknowledge that that's what's happening because it's going to come out in one way or another. You're going to snap at people. You're going to be difficult. You're going to become a recluse for the week or the month or whatever. So you have to honor that. If you need to go for a walk and cry, you need to take an hour long shower and cry. You do that. You have to honor those feelings. The other thing is, is that too often we forget that the beauty of feeling those things is that we had really good things. Meaning, um, if you're missing somebody, there's a blessing that you get to miss somebody because there's people who would love to be able to miss somebody and they don't. So looking at the, the other side of the coin, which is I am fortunate to have these experiences that I can miss sometimes can be also freeing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Completely. Completely. We focus on the pain and we focus on, we don't have them, but at the same time we can focus on our kids going away to college and being happily married, or we can focus on that. We have these great memories that we can now cherish. I love that. And even just, you know, cause sometimes they're like big things, right? Like someone has passed away or the kids have grown up and those are more like bigger life things. But even for like us and our family, we've moved around a lot. And so our traditions have changed a little bit based on where we are, but the kids is still love to reminisce on the traditions that we no longer carry. So mm-hmm. like, for example, when we used to live in Arizona, we had a tradition every Christmas Eve um, where we would go to Christmas Eve church service, and then we would go up to um, the Scottsdale Princess Fairmont. And they like decked it all out for Christmas, and they had everything done in lights, and you could do this little train ride to look at the lights all over the property. And they had bonfires where you could do s'mores and ice skating. And just we would just go there and just play because we didn't have family around, and it was just the four of us. And now that we've moved away from there and we move back to family, we have now our family traditions, which we love, but we still love reminiscing on those couple years and the traditions that we had while we were in Arizona and how incredible it was of an experience just to have the four of us there and experiencing that. And although we've kind of replaced those traditions with other things, the kids still love remembering that and, and, and remembering the connections of what we did. Mm-hmm. And I call that shared history. And that's, that's what keeps us bonded. And that's why when a tradition ends, we still want to talk about it. We want to not necessarily just replace it, but we want to keep that memory alive. And it sounds like you guys are doing a really good job at that because traditions change. We get older, things have to evolve. But if we don't realize that we're going to be grieving that, it can take us by surprise and maybe come out at, you know, tears at Thanksgiving or something like that, where you're like, wow, I I think that maybe would have rather dealt with that in a a private manner or something. And that's a great point because even as an adult now, looking back on my childhood, there's a lot of traditions that I don't think I've let myself grieve, but I can kind of now that you're talking about this, kind of relate it to when I get extra stressed or extra cranky as a mom around different holidays um, even around like summertime holidays, like my, my parents had a lot of traditions around the 4th of July and my family, we don't really have a whole lot of like summertime traditions like I did when I was a kid. And I think I don't, I don't think I've ever really like processed the grieving process of not having those. And I haven't really shared them with my kids. I haven't really talked about them. And so maybe that's something that I need to do 
more is just talking to my kids about some of the traditions I had as a child and see how I might be able to kind of implement intentionally more of those traditions into their lives. Well, and I think that sometimes asking the children, if you tell them stories of traditions that you have done that maybe you feel have gone on the wayside, maybe telling them some of those traditions and asking them if they're interested in coming up with their own version of them then maybe you might find that they're like, wow, this is really cool. Let's do this. And then it becomes even more significant because they're going to have their own imprint on it and you're going to know that they're going to be embracing it. Mm, I love that. That's super smart. See, this is why I love having you on, Kimberly. (laughs) (laughs) You're full of so much good stuff. So before we let you go and before we get a Bible verse for this episode, Any parting thoughts of anything we didn't yet discuss for traditions that you really want to impart onto our listeners? Well, I think I want to just repeat that I think that when it comes to traditions and customs, they do need to be um, personalized. And with so much technology and things these days, there's all sorts of opportunities that we didn't have in the past, whether it's a a gender reveal party or doing some sort of um, other sort of, um, you know, thing. Let me, one more thing I want to add to this. We have a friend that has this thing called a forgiveness cup that I want to start doing. It's a tradition I've never heard of before. They got this chalice kind of thing for their wedding as a gift. And the people said, if you're, if you're ever having a real tough time in your marriage and one of you needs to really do ask for forgiveness, whether you're right or wrong, you are supposed to offer this cup to your mate. I'm assuming with some, whatever their favorite liquid would be in it. And they're supposed to accept it. And then you have to work on it. And this is supposed to be like in extreme cases. And I thought about this and I've talked to the husband. I said, you know, we need to buy some of these and maybe write up a little story on it that says, you know, maybe a poem or something that goes along with it, that if you're ever needing to, as an olive branch, if you will, that this would be, um, this would be something that people could do. You could start a whole new tradition for weddings, like, oh, I know if we go to this wedding that we're, that we're going to get this cool cup or something. So sometimes even the gifts that we give people can be a traditional thing besides, you know, pajamas at Christmas and that sort of thing. But um, on a different note, as far as wrapping up, I just want to say that the most prized traditions are the ones that have been adapted. They are personalized. They came about by accident or they have some sort of anomaly to them. They did not go perfect. They didn't go beautiful that, that you know, the reason that the people put a picture on top of the tree is because a cat knocked it over, something like that. Look for those weird things that you can now gravitate to that people will smile and chuckle and their heart will be warmed when you're trying to create a tradition. Mm, beautifully said. Very beautifully said. I love it. And it's this whole conversation has gotten me thinking, you know, as I go into this next year, how I can be more intentional about creating those traditions so that my kids, my husband, myself, we all are just deepening our roots in our, com- in our community with each other and our connection with each other as well. So thank you so much for joining me on this conversation, Kimberly. Now, you know the drill. What, <laughs> is, what is your Bible verse for us for this episode? So because traditions can, there can be some controversy and stresses around them. Um, I picked something a little different this time. I want to leave people with this verse. It's Romans 12, 2, and it's do not conform to the patterns of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your spirit. Then you'll be able to test and improve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That is an amazing verse for everything that we just talked about. I think, you know, going back to what we were talking about with, especially around the holidays um, and the traditions that come, that that just gives so much grace 
to people to really, to really see, search their heart and search for Jesus in this season and mm-hmm. to do the things that really matter the most. And not to be distracted by the fact that somebody else is doing something. It's, it's, you don't have to conform. It needs to be personalized. And we need to remember that it, what this, for, for Christmas here, what the season is all about. Mm, I love that. I love that. That's so good. Well, Kimberly, for those of our listeners uh, that want to connect with you or learn a little bit more, how can they do that? The best way is to go to my website, which is cherishedwives.com. Visit our blog, read some, read some things, see what speaks to you. We also have a Facebook page. Feel free to like that, interact with it. We always love to interact with people. If people have questions or comments or they, they have an article, like I'd really love to see an article on this. I haven't found something that really addresses it. Feel free to send us an email, go through our Let's, Let's Connect page on our Facebook page or our, on our website page, or even on Facebook, you know, send us a message. What would you like to hear? I do focus on marriages and strengthening marriages, which also includes families. So if somebody's got something that's on their heart and they are um, wanting some specific information, feel free to reach out. We'll do our best to answer and get back to you. I love that. I love that. And Kimberly is also very active in both our Facebook community and our membership community as well. So thank you so much, Kimberly, for being so generous and for providing that extra tool and resource for our members as well so that they can really go through this exercise of creating more intention in their life and creating more deeper connections through traditions. Absolutely. It's my complete pleasure. You know, my biggest takeaway from this conversation that I had with Kimberly is all of the traditions that I have that I didn't recognize were traditions. But now that I've recognized that they're traditions, they just have so much more value and I'm going to be more intentional because I'll be honest, there are a few of them that as I was doing my holiday planning, I decided not to do. But after considering the things that Kimberly and I talked about on the show, it really has me thinking about the impact that these traditions have on my kids. And when I talked to my kids about possibly not doing them, they were like, no go. We have to do them, mom. And to see that value that they have for those things, we have to do them because I want them to have those deeply rooted connections to their childhood, to me, to their dad, and to their greater community. So we will keep some of those traditions that I was going to scrap. But it also gets me thinking about some other traditions that I want to implement, not just for Christmas time, but for other parts of the year. You know, hearing Kimberly talk about her celebration plate, we don't necessarily have anything like that in my family, but I would love it if we did. Because those are the things that I want my kids to look back on and remember and continue with their kids and their kids' kids and have that be a legacy that just continues on. So I'm going to be more intentional about that in 2018. And I'm curious to know, how are you with your traditions? Are you going to be adding more traditions in or are you just going to be celebrating more intently the ones that you already have? Pop on over to our Facebook group and let me know. I also want to remind you that the Life Balance Planner is on sale until the end of 2017. So make sure you go to yourliferocks.com and grab yours today. I also want to invite you to follow me over on Instagram. If you're curious at all about the Life Balance Planner, I'm going to be sharing my experience with Life Balance Planner, my personal planning pages, and let you really see the inside and the way that the system works. So check us out over on Instagram at your.life.rocks. Now, if you haven't done so already, make sure you hit that subscribe button because coming this Thursday, we have another segment of our holiday sanity for you where we are going to be talking about the best tips in all areas to help you as a working mom with your Christmas season. 
So when we started with the Holiday Sanity Series, we really started talking about the intention and setting a strong intention for the holidays. Then last week, we talked about planning and how your calendar and your to-do list and getting it all in, getting all the things done. So this week, we'll be giving you some tips on those things and also some tips to help you grow closer to God, which we're going to be talking a little bit more about next week. So until then, keep building a life that rocks. Bye.